Okay, guys, so this week, um, another spontaneous, sort of crazy last-minute episode. Um, I am sick. I am recovering from a cold from a recent debate tournament that our club hosted. Um, and, and I say that because literally half of our club came down with this infectious disease uh, post-tournament, literally like two days later. So um, I'm not the only one, but that will not stop me from providing you guys with some juicy content. So Steven is out of town this week. Elijah is A-OK, and I am struggling to survive at the moment, but we are going to be breaking down for you guys an interesting but frankly underwhelming case that we encountered at this recent tournament, and we're going to be breaking down for you um, some of the geopolitics, uh, maybe not geopolitics, uh, uh, I need to look at the doc, but we're going to be breaking down for you some interesting stuff with Palestine, with the United Nations Relief uh, and Workers Agency, I, I think I got that acronym right. Anyway, UNRWA. Um, we're going to be breaking down some cases for you guys, so stay tuned, sit back, and uh, enjoy the show. Okay, guys, and really quick, so this week's episode is brought to you by Nerdsy. Nerdsy has awesome web design. Uh, they work with WordPress. Uh, I think they can work with Shopify. Um, just send them your stuff. Send them whatever you, you need done or you're interested in doing, and they'll help you out. They will take care of you ASAP. So you can check them out at nerdsy.net or at nerd.zy on Instagram, at nerd.zy on Instagram. Uh, check them out. They are really good at what they do. So getting started in today's uh, topic. So one of these cases, and uh, Elijah, I'm not sure if you went against this. I think some people in our club did. Um, it's an affirmative case to basically lower the CPFA requirements from their current either 75 or 50% down to 25%. Um, and I say this is a really underwhelming case because it seems to me that what they did, from what I heard, I, I don't know. Um, but from what I heard, it sounds like they took the the skeleton of the original CPFA case that's out there that's really popular that that's, people are running. That's the one that end all CPFA, right? Right, right. Okay. Uh, thank you for that. And they sort of tweaked the mandate and maybe threw in one or two cards or something to support it and just sort of left it as is. The problem is a lot of the evidence is advocating abolishing CPFA <laughs> and claiming all their benefits of ANSYS and so forth from abolishing it, not from lowering the, the margins or whatever. So it, it's sort of a weird uh, case modification, but it really doesn't benefit the affirmative team that much. That's frankly where where I'm at with this case. I think it's not really a great idea, and I think you know teams could probably destroy it just by pointing out how their evidence doesn't support it and maybe run some negative stuff against it and then just kind of pair that with the fact that you know their evidence and taglines are probably mismatched a little bit um it's probably kind of a clunky case and it doesn't appear to be very consistent in the direction or the um thought process behind it if you know either most people will say cpfa is good because it protects national security and jobs and all these things or it's bad because of x y and z but they don't really say you know somewhere in the middle so I think I think all in all this is a very flawed case, and yeah. I would not recommend running it. But 
I, I am open to how my mind changed. Elijah, do you have any thoughts on this? Did you see this case? What can you tell me about it? I didn't see it, but I would just say, remember to get the 1AC. I always forget to grab the 1AC. And then I'm sometimes I'm screwed, and sometimes it's fine, because I really don't need it. But this would probably be a case that you would want it, because then you can just be, hey, judge, I have their quote exactly right here, and it says abolishing. Otherwise, you're going to have to listen very carefully. And if the judge wasn't listening very carefully, then you're, then that argument wouldn't work out as well. Right, right. And, um, you know, I, I almost wonder if this would be the sort of thing. The problem is, going back to our previous episode where we talked about topical counterplans, um, topical counterplans are, are something really problematic, and I do not suggest doing them. But I almost wonder if there's a way to sort of make the case that that you could abolish CPFA and do it as a non-topical counterplan. Um, I guess the way you could do that is is argue that it's non-topical because it's transportation policy, which it sort of is because it was under last year's Stoa resolution um, as a transportation policy case that was very popular. Um, well, actually, not that popular, but nonetheless a case under the resolution um so you know you can make the case that it that's under a different branch just under the dot um a different a different federal department or agency uh it's a different set of policy and then you could advocate reforming it like their evidence says and no doubt some evidence that um i'd say most teams probably have in their in their binders or their briefs or whatever um just go ahead and full-on abolish it and then claim that that's a, a non-topical counterplan because it's it doesn't meet the criteria of the resolution. No, um, it would... I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about it, Elijah? That sounds like a good idea, but it'd be hard because you still have to... Um, the affirmative just come back saying, yeah, but it, it affects... And it affects, according to the negative team, it affects the status quo in a good way, which would be reform, and it's there, and it's directly linked to USAID, so it'd therefore be reforming USAID. So i just, like, be very careful how I went about that. It's a good idea, but I personally I... don't always like counterplans. Frank, I know. I think you're, you're right there. Um, you know, uh, counterplan... You know, considering what he, what uh, Elijah said, yeah, I think you're totally right. I don't think that's necessarily a good way to do it. Um, you know, I wonder. I feel like that'd be a creative way to argue it, but um, really, I I kind of wonder. I don't know, but I wonder if this case is is one of those things where you could just argue it, um, and and it would just kind of fall flat on its own in some way, because you know, definitely if their evidence doesn't line up with what they're saying. That's going to be a big problem for them that they have to overcome. And if that's what their 1AC is, then it's going to be pretty tough. If that's the best they can put forward um, and their 1AC and their cards don't even support their plan, that's problematic. So um, looking at you know, if they do change that, um, it could get a little bit trickier. But um, I don't know. There, there's a lot of different opinions out there. I think there probably is some evidence out there that they could find saying we should put it to 25%. Um, but I think you could debunk the arguments behind that by simply forcing them into a into a um, question of what is what is the goal here? What is the priority? Do we want to make this efficient or do we want to make it promote national security, jobs, whatever? Um, because you, you, you can't, can't have exactly have both. You can't have your cake and eat it too. 
that's what, that's what the status quo tries to do with sort of the 50 or 75%. Um, uh, in terms of how many ships are required to meet cargo preference requirements. Um, for those of whom aren't familiar with this, I would, I would urge you all to look into cargo preference requirements for shipping food aid. But um, basically, in the status quo, I don't think does a great job of trying to meet either of those goals right now. And this case would just sort of tinker with that. And in some ways, not necessarily even do that much. Um, would they achieve efficiency gains? Yes, they probably would, and they'd probably be noteworthy. But um, you know, changing changing the requirement from fifty percent to twenty five percent is just kind of like, well, why? Why not, why not all the way? Yeah. If, if it's so bad that we need to change it, why not just abolish it? Or you know, if we need to preserve national security in these boats and, and the the industry behind cargo preference regulations, the, the industry that they cushion, why not make it one hundred percent? You know, so. Um, it's a it's a dicey case. Um, I don't think it's a good one. Um, but that's just kind of where I stand. I'm really open, though. Uh, anyone listening to this, by all means, comment below what you think about this case. Um, get in touch with us. I really want to know what our community thinks about this case, because to me, this seems like a pretty bad idea, but I'm really open to whatever people think about this. Um, I'm really curious why someone might argue that we should do this. I, I guess it would just be the flexibility. You know, they're on the fence and they they don't have to commit themselves to either no CPFA or full on CPFA. But oh, well, um, while I you're plugging is... our social media, I'm just gonna say uh, we have Facebook and Instagram, so check us out on there. And then also we have the Team Policy uh, email address, so you can actually send us the brief subscriptions, or if you have a longer analysis of this of this case or any other ones that you'd like to mention, uh, you just send it to our email at teampolicypodcast at gmail.com. Really simple, teampolicypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to have community uh, involvement with what yeah, we do. Definitely. And uh, while you're at it, be sure and check us out on our brand new Instagram page uh, at teampolicypodcast, uh, which is linked to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash teampolicypodcast, facebook.com slash teampolicypodcast. Or if you're on Facebook already and you don't want to have to type in some messy URL, you can just type in Team Policy Podcast. We'll show up as at Team Policy Podcast on Facebook. So either way, you can find us. We're really easy to find, and we'd love to um, connect with you guys um, on this. So let us know your thoughts on this. And uh, moving on to the... Next case, dealing with Palestine, dealing with UNRWA or the UNRWA, however you want to say it. Um, really quick, uh, Elijah, I'm curious, because uh, I think we talked about this a little bit at one point. Um, how familiar are, are you with this case, and uh, what are what are some of your thoughts before I dive into some of the stuff that I found on it? I think it was the first one I ran in club, because it, it came out before LRP did, so... I have a little bit of experience. Uh, I don't exactly remember. I uh, one thing I always thought is why would you call it unraw? It's U N R W A. You'd call it unrua. Yeah, I think it's just easier to say unraw. Honestly, um, <laughs> I had a coach that, that pronounced it that way, so that's just how I rolled with it. But okay. um, can you remind me what 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 exactly it's about? Um, it's something you do. Absolutely. 
I kind of had to refresh my mind uh, myself because I don't think anyone's even running this case, frankly. Um, but what it does is it returns the aid that was withheld to the Palestinian um, or United Nations Relief and, and Works Agency, I think, to for Palestinian refugees. And, uh, you know, going into the background of that just briefly, so we gave about $350 million to um, Palestinian Authority or to this agency, which then diverted it uh, within the Palestinian Authority um, in, in past years. And President, uh, President Trump withheld that after it became, I don't know if it was after it became aware, but uh, at some point he withheld it. Um, and one of the justifications for that is that, interestingly enough, the Palestinian Authority has a budget for a terrorist budget of about $350 million. And, um, Whoa. you know, how that happens. And, uh, Obviously, this one's probably not going directly into that, but the issue is that whenever you give all this aid to this, this I don't want to say country, because technically they're sort of a, a state, but not necessarily a country. They're not really diplomatically recognized as a country, but they are an entity, I'll say. And whenever you give um, all this aid to them, and whenever they're run by literally a terrorist organization, Hamas is a democratically elected terrorist organization in Palestine, whenever you give them all this money, sure, they may not use it on terrorism, but they're going to use it on stuff that they um, might have had dollars tied up to otherwise, and whenever they don't have to use their own money on that, all of a sudden, they have a whole lot more money to burn, and chances are they're going to use that on terrorism if that's their number one goal, which you can see very openly stated. This is not a secret. This is not something they try to hide. Um, This is something they're very open about, that they do not uh, support the creation <clears throat> or the existence of Israel. Um, they do not support to exist or uh, really any Jewish state. And they spend a significant amount of resources uh, trying to attack Israel, um, to undermine Israel, to um, raid their border and kill Jews. And, you know, it's, it's really sad that that's the case going on uh, in the Middle East, but this is just sort of a continuation of, frankly, was historically been a conflict dating all the way back to Ishmael and Isaac, in my opinion, uh, where you have Jews and Arabs. Hey, that... you're going in and out, and I just didn't hear the last sentence you said. Okay, we'll have to cut audio with that, but um, what was the last thing you didn't hear? Uh, that's what I heard. What What was the last thing you did hear? Uh, I forgot. I don't know where to go back to. Okay, uh, it was about like five sec. It was just like five seconds. I don't know what's oh. wrong with your mic. Um, I don't know, dude. Um, <clears throat> probably my voice more so than my mic. Okay. okay, well, we're gonna have to cut all the audio in between. But anyway, um, so what does all this mean? So the Palestinian Authority, um, dealing with all these issues with terrorism, things like that. Um, there's a lot going on here. And it's not an easy situation. There's no great answer to it. But some of the justifications really quickly for giving the aid really boil down to the fact that um, there, there's fear that if you um, stir up the Palestinians, they already hate Israel. They already want to see Israel burn to the ground. So if you stir them up anymore by cutting off their aid or making them mad, then they'll just storm across the, the border right now and start a war. Um, 
Although that hasn't happened, clearly, but the argument is that it could happen. Um, I don't think they'd probably do that, because they're way smaller than Israel, and Israel has a lot more uh, weapons. Right, so realistically, there's no way Palestine can win a war against Israel, so um, they would have to get all the other surrounding Arab states to support them. But the next concern is that um, whenever... Okay, so say this so say this um, doesn't start a war now, but in several years, as the Palestinians continue to grow in population size, they continue to get more and more angry, and you have more and more starving people, because a lot of the aid to them is humanitarian aid. Um, and one of the arguments is that, yeah, their government might spend that money um, indirectly on terrorism, but they're going to spend money on terrorism regardless thing is, if you don't give them a say, they won't help their own people with things like hospitals or schools. And so if we don't do this, then you're going to have a humanitarian crisis with so many million people in the next few years. And one way or another, they're going that's going to pose a problem. And, you know, under the Obama administration, the uh, U.S. ambassador to Israel, Dan Shapiro, um, made comments about... Um, Actually, now under the Trump administration, former U.S. ambassador uh, from the then Obama administration is the ambassador to Israel, Dan Shapiro, um, came out and made comments about how uh, when President Obama was in power, um, the Israelis actually supported or at least did not oppose aid to uh, UNRWA or the UNRWA, um, which then funnels that money into Palestine, basically. Um, and this goes back to the argument that Israel does not want to have to deal with the humanitarian crisis, right? Because if you let, you know, time run its course and not, not do anything, um, it's going to break out into a war or some sort of conflict that Israel does not want to have to deal with. Um, so they, for a while, were supportive of the status quo. That makes sense. Um, okay, looking... At, I think there's one more thing with this. Um, so, so reasons to cut off aid. Those were some of the kind of the background of this, and, and some of the um, support, I guess, by Israel at one point in time for just preserving the status quo. Um, now, looking at the flip side a little bit, President Trump has since cut this aid, and so far it hasn't really done very much. Um, Palestine, Palestine probably hates us, but to be fair, they probably weren't our friends in the first place. Um, they want the, their government, Hamas, which is democratically elected and is recognized as a terrorist organization, I believe, um, you know, publicly despises Israel, and Israel is clearly our ally. So Palestine is is not our friend by any means. Um, and you know, since we've cut this aid to this agency, which supports. Palestine, the Israelis have come out strongly in support of the Trump administration doing this um, since they're our ally. Um, it, in some in some sense, makes sense, I guess, for a negative team to argue that we should support our ally and <clears throat> we should not return this money. Affirmatives are going to try to argue that we need to give back this money or else it's going to create all these problems on the Palestine's, uh, on Palestine's side. So really what this comes down to, I know I'm rambling, but something here is that you have the choice between uh, in some way um, appeasing or, or, or appealing to um, the 
the Palestinians by trying to give them stuff, give them aid, give them whatever, and just hope that they'll be peaceful. But yet, in the long yeah, that's still, yet that still is funding terrorism. Right, uh, at least indirectly, by, by cost reallocation. And you have the option to preserve the status quo, the now status quo, which is not giving aid to them. Um, granted, it, it might increase the likelihood of confrontation in right. the near future, but at least we're not supporting the people who, as soon as we stop supporting them, they want to supposedly turn around and stab us in the back. So those are the arguments there. Um, I think history supports not appeasing countries or states or entities which um, are very violent and want to attack other nations. I think <coughs> look back World to history. World War II. Yeah, um, Nazi Germany, you know? Uh, Nazi Germany could have been stopped at so many points had we not appeased Hitler and, and let him have this territory or let him have this or that. Um, and, you know, so I look at this from a historical perspective and, and see that there's no good solution in sight. Um, so we shouldn't try to appease Palestine. That, that's, that's where I stand. I don't, um, I don't think that's the only view out there. I think there's lots of other views, which maybe have equally valid points, but I think at the end of the day, Palestine is never going to peace if they continue to democratically elect terrorist groups to run their government. Um, I don't know. That, that's, that's where I stand on it. I think, um, you know, if you also look at some of the history behind it with um, peace negotiations with uh, Palestine, between you know Israel and Palestine, um, so many times Israel has offered to give Palestine everything they want, and you know they have rejected it and they've resorted to attacking Israel. So um, that that's that's really my position on it, Elijah. In wrapping this up, uh, where where do you stand on this? What do you think are arguments that teams might make? Uh, yeah, I don't really want to beat a dead horse. Um, you pretty much said everything that there is. Yeah, I I kind of like. Additionally, I'd like the idea of just having our hands off, not having the money uh, that, that'll shoot our, ourselves in our own foot. Uh, well, I guess Hamas doesn't get us. It gets, it gets Israel, they're our allies. So I just like, hands off, don't, don't uh, give them any of this filthy money. Right, don't, don't support um, this, this state which chooses to use most of its money to attack. Yeah. Uh, their neighboring country. Awesome. Okay, well, I think that basically wraps it up. Last but not least, I just want to remind everybody, do check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash teampolicypodcast. Check out our brand new Instagram page at uh, Instagram, uh, uh, on Instagram at teampolicypodcast. And uh, be sure and drop a comment, drop a like on our YouTube videos. We really appreciate that. Uh, subscribe if you feel like it. And uh, we will see you guys in the next episode of the Team Policy Podcast. And don't forget to send us brief ideas, uh, comments, questions to our email at teampolicypodcast at gmail.com. We would really love if if you guys respond to us. Because this is not like a laborious and a labor intensive thing that we have to do for some school project. We actually like doing this. It's interesting to analyze. So uh, thank you for listening, and until next time.